anybody can book, as I said, a talent, but we pride ourselves on getting so much more out of the talent. We pride ourselves on delivering more than just a general session. We're not just going to bring in a stage with some lighting and some sound. It's got to be more than that. I mean, the reason we're in business for so long and have been successful for so long is that we give so much more to our clients. Welcome to No More Bad Events, a fun and insightful podcast for professional event organizers and for anyone at any level interested in producing nothing but the best events. Each week, we'll talk with legendary event professionals to get an inside look into what they think makes a great event. And in the process, we'll draw out insider secrets, non-traditional approaches, and compelling stories from the most captivating personalities in the business. No More Bad Events is produced and presented by eSpeakers, the most trusted online platform for the best keynote speakers in the world. And I'm your host, Scott Bloom, comedian, event MC, and now your podcast host. Let's get started. Hello, folks. Thanks so much for dropping by. We have another great episode for you today. I am recording this in my home studio here in Los Angeles. It is a absolutely stunningly beautiful day here, but I'm very excited for you to listen to this particular one. If you like stories about celebrities, in particular stories about celebrities at corporate events, this could possibly be the best podcast ever. I know that's overshooting the runway by saying that and maybe setting you folks up with some very high expectations, but this is a a fun episode. Because today, the incomparable Mark Felix, my good friend and director of entertainment services at Drury Design Dynamics, a legendary New York production company, talks about wrangling top-tier entertainment like Tom Hanks, Steven Tyler, and Elton John, just to name a few. He also talks about handling high-stakes hiccups with grace and speed, like the time he replaced Michael Phelps with Magic Johnson in a stunning 11th-hour replacement. No doubt Mark's stories are a masterclass in delivering event excellence every time. But you can't do that without a guiding light. And Mark highlights the value of creativity, personalization, and strong industry relationships. Whether securing AI speakers or big-name bands, Mark works hard to have his talent add that undefinable personal touch that takes corporate events over the top. His journey from the William Morris mailroom to a pivotal player jury shows that passion, fairness, and a deep understanding of talent can transform the mundane into the extraordinary, making moments that matter. So be prepared to be captivated in this very entertaining episode of No More Bad Events with this entertainment industry veteran, master storyteller, and all-around great guy, Mark Felix. So for the people who don't know Mark Felix, I've known Mark for years and years. My business manager and yourself started together in the famed mailroom at William Morris. Here, why don't we start there? It's 1980, 81, somewhere in that era, and Nin- you're working in the mailroom. Yep. I mean, I graduated from college, and it took me a while to get hired. 
When I was in college, I went to school in a private school, small school, upstate New York, and I got involved with the concert committee. I was a business major, and I didn't know what the hell to do with my life. And I kind of worked myself up through the ranks on the concert committee, and we were putting on concerts. I went to Ithaca College, which at the time had an enrollment of about 5,000 people. And we were putting on concerts with these up and coming acts. And I swear to God, I'm telling you the truth. I still have the posters to prove it. We had an up and coming act called Billy Joel. We had an up and coming act called Elvis Costello, Little Feet, Bonnie Raitt. I mean, again, I'm going back 15 years ago. So yeah, 1980, I graduated college. I didn't know what to do with myself. And it's like, this is a cool thing. Maybe I'll be an agent. And as I said, it took me a while to get hired. I finally got into the training program at William Morris. And when you're in the training program, I mean, at the time, you had to be a college graduate. You had to wear a suit and tie to work every day. I don't remember what the pay was. It was ridiculous. So you're in the mailroom for a while. And then your next bump up out of the mailroom, you're basically an assistant, a glorified secretary to an agent. I was a junior agent, and then I knew somebody at ICM, International Creative Management, who I was friendly with. He offered me a job at the time. William Morris was not promoting me to a full agent, so I made the move. I left William Morris, and I went to ICM, which, again, at the time was one of the leading talent agencies. I was a full agent there. I did that. Let me think back for a moment. I was with William Morris for almost five years, ICM for about three years, and then I had another opportunity present itself to me. And when, let me digress for a second. When you're an agent, you're going out seven nights a week. I got tired of it. I got tired of it real fast. One of the people I used to sell talent to was a production company called Jack Morton Productions. They put on corporate events. They offered me the job to be the talent buyer, to run their talent buying office. So, you know, when you're an agent and you know this, Scott, you're selling talent, you're representing talent. I went to the other side of the fence, buying talent, buying talent and producing talent for corporate events. And that's where I've been for the last, oh my God, 30 years or so. I went from Jack Morton to Carabiner Communications to where I am now, Drury Design Dynamics. And I've been here at Drury for 23 years, still buying and producing corporate entertainment. You know what's going through the minds of a lot of these agents. Does that give you a, a leg up? Yeah. So basically, I am, I often tell our corporate clients that I know both sides of the talent fence as an agent, selling the talent, representing the talent, and where I've been for the last 25, 30 years, buying and producing the talent. I know the games that agents used to play because, quite honestly, I used to play those games. So that's definitely a plus that we share with our corporate clients today. So you seem like someone who loves the art of the deal to throw that, that expression around, but I don't think people are aware. And this is why I want to give some perspective here so that people could understand what it is that you're doing is that it's not just going, Hey, I want that talent there. And then they just come to you. There's a lot of stuff you have to deal with agents. Why are agents so difficult to deal with? Well, I think agents today and I'm not going to say this is the case with every agent, but I'm going to say the majority of them, they're nothing but order takers. 
Not every agent, but a lot of agents I deal with, they're order takers. All they want to do is take the order. Oh, you want so-and-so talent? This is the price. Here's your contract. Send me the deposit. Next, a good agent works with the buyer like myself to close deals. There's a handful of really good agents that in my book, they are the gold standard. A lot of times I'll present an offer to an agent and they'll send me an email. It's a pass. Don't tell me it's a pass. Tell me what do we need to do to make the deal happen? How do we bring this to fruition? So a good agent will work with me and say, you know, you need to change this. You need to tweak that. It's not just about the money, but it's about this, the recording, whatever it is. Work together to close the deal. It's not that difficult. Do your clients know you're working, you know, night and day to get them the best talent and you'll make the best deal for them? Are they aware of that? Yeah, for the most part, they are. I mean, look, here's the reality. Anybody can go on the internet and find who represents a talent or a speaker, and they can reach out to that talent agency or that speaker's bureau and book the talent. We don't just do that. We offer so much more to our corporate clients. And I'll say a lot of it is because of relationships, not just with the agent or the manager, but also with the talent. We buy and produce an awful lot of talent here at Drury. There's a tremendous amount of volume with speakers and entertainment. And we truly get a lot more out of the talent that we book than the next guy. And again, I don't want to give away the candy store here, but for any corporate clients that are listening, call me up and I'll show you how we do it. How have your uh, years of building relationships in the entertainment industry shaped your approach to not only just booking top name talent, but being aware of what's out there so that you can bring your clients the very best? Well, you know, I mean, I firmly believe it's about being fair. It's about being honest. It's about being humble. And with all these, you know, years of relationships, I mean, it truly is a business of relationships. I mean, I'll tell you a quick story. I'm going to go back maybe eight or nine, maybe 10 years ago. We had Michael Phelps booked for something for a rather large technology client of ours, technology company. And he was booked. And this was when he got in trouble with the media. I'm sure you remember what I'm talking yes. about. Yes. I was going to ask you, was it before or after? So it's just oh, after that. It was. He was booked. Then he got in serious trouble and he was living at his mother's house at the time and the media was camped out on his mother's lawn. And it was Sunday night and we were on site in Las Vegas. He was supposed to open the meeting Tuesday morning at 8 or 9 a.m. I don't remember what time it was. Doesn't matter. I got the call Sunday night in Vegas. He's canceling. Well, you're in breach of the contract. You can't just cancel. Well, he can't leave his mother's house. The media is camped out on his lawn. If you need to sue us, go ahead. But he can't do your show. So we went into action. I mean, here's where the relationships come into play. Sunday night at whatever time it was, I started making my calls. Now, you're not calling agents or sending emails. You're calling cell numbers. Okay. Again, this goes back to relationships. I was able to pick up the phone and call Magic Johnson's executive assistant directly, explain the situation. 
Magic flew in, private of course, early Tuesday morning. We didn't have a contract in place. We didn't have monies that were sent via deposit yet. The relationship mattered. We were in a bind. Our client was in a bind. He helped us out. I mean, to me, that's the epitome of great relationships. Yeah, as you said, anyone can go on to a site and try to find who's the talent agent is, maybe book them. But there's a lot more that goes on here. So tell us a little bit more about Drury's relationships and experience in booking talent for corporate events. Any unique approaches or extra services that set you folks apart? So I've worked for three production companies in my career. I'm on staff here at Drury for 23 years. For me, this is clearly the best of the three production companies for a variety of reasons. And I'll go into that in a moment. Drury itself has been in business for 43 years. We survived the financial crisis back in, what was that, 2008? We survived the pandemic. We're stronger than ever. And Drury, you know, we have a great culture here. We don't advertise for our services. So much of our business is repeat business. It's word of mouth. And again, it's relationships. Drury is all about long-lasting relationships and superior quality work. Those are two things that we truly pride ourselves on and have prided ourselves on that for the 43 years that we're in business. And our clients know it. Our clients know they're going to get superior quality work from us. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned relationships and you have a lot of repeat clients. So each year, if you come back to clients, you're trying to bring them new talent. What is the process for you? And what is your collaborative process with the client to bring them the best talent for that particular event? Okay. Well, one of the other things we pride ourselves on is always finding new and cutting edge talent, whether it's speakers that are focusing on AI, whether it's motivational leadership speakers, whether it's meeting hosts like yourself. I mean, you know, we've got a terrific track record. And listen, you've done a lot of work for Drury through the years. You're excellent at what you do. You've done nothing but outstanding work for us and our clients. But after booking Scott Bloom X number of times for a particular client, they want to know what's next. Who's coming down the pike? So we're always out looking for new talent, new speakers, new hosts, new bands. That's really important. And who are you hot on? Is there some, when you say new bands, I know it seems to go in waves. Certain talents seem to be the, the go-to. I know budget's always going to be a consideration, but who's someone that you've been bringing in? We, well, let's talk both speakers, some speakers that you've been interested in, and also some, some big-name talent, whether it's a celebrity speaker or a band. You know, the hot topic these days in the speaking world is AI. Everybody wants AI speakers we actually did a program last week for one of our tech clients, and one of the speakers on AI was Timbaland, the music producer. And he talked about his use of AI in music production. I mean, fascinating stuff. We have booked so many AI experts in the last 60, 90 days because this is all people want to learn about and hear about. Did you book Tom Hanks recently for something over this last year or so? I love telling my Tom Hanks story. Yeah. Oh, good. Let's get into some stories. I want to hear some Tom Hanks stories. 
if we have a three hour podcast, I can go on and on and on because I got a million stories. Yeah, we worked with Tom Hanks about a year ago for a client in LA. I mean, I love telling this story. It shows you how down to earth Hanks is. And to digress for a second, we've worked with some of the biggest stars on the planet, like Tom Hanks, like Tom Cruise, like Oprah Winfrey. These people are humble. They're down to earth. There's no phoniness about them. They've got nothing to prove. So we have Tom Hanks booked. He's doing a one-hour moderated Q&A on stage with the CEO of the company. And this is taking place in LA. And Hanks lives, I think he lives in Pacific Palisades out in LA. And we wanted to send a car for him. And we were told, nope, he doesn't want a car. He wants to drive himself. Okay. Okay. Hanks wants to drive himself. I'm not going to argue with that. Foolishly, I didn't ask what kind of car he was driving, but we had a meeting point on property and I knew he was showing up at this particular location. So I'm standing at that location with a couple of colleagues and we're all talking. What kind of car is Hank's going to be driving? Somebody's like, oh, it's got to be a Tesla. And somebody else is like, no, I bet you it's a big Cadillac Escalade, one of those big heavy duty cars. A car pulls up. It's a 12-year-old Chevy Volt. And sure enough, there's Tom Hanks behind the wheel, and he's wearing a ratty T-shirt. So I'm thinking to myself, if anybody sees this guy driving this 12-year-old car in a ratty T-shirt, they're going to think, hey, that guy looks just like Tom Hanks. Yeah, I bet you that's his strategy, right? If, you're, if you no come up in a Volt. That, yeah. No way is that Tom Hanks. No way. Right. So, of course, he pulls up. And I introduced myself and he couldn't have been nicer. And I said to him after a little while, Tom, I got to ask you, what's with the old Chevy Volt? And he was very matter of fact. He's like, that's actually my son's car. And I love to drive the car because it's so peppy. It's so zippy. And I'm able to drive in and out and weave in and out of L.A. traffic. And I'd much rather be sitting behind the wheel driving myself than sitting in the back and having somebody drive me in traffic. That's great. That's great. So, yeah, I want to hear I want to hear a little bit more stories and I want to hear how either if there was a problem or even a success story where Drury was a part of either solving the problem or making it the event even better. Any come to mind? I don't want to name names, but there is a comedian that we all know that I had a problem with pre-pandemic, right before the pandemic. It was worked out with his manager that he was going to sign some books in his suite in the afternoon that our client had purchased. It was pre-arranged. The client bought 800 copies of his autobiography that had just come out. Client was going to use them as giveaways for their 800 attendees. I'm in the suite with this comedian. He claims to know nothing at all about signing books. Of course, I try to reach his manager and I can't. I try several times to reach his manager and I can't. So he was kind of in a bad mood from that moment on. Then fast forward, it's showtime and I'm in the green room with him before he takes the stage. And he says to me, where's the Nicorette gum? I'm like, well, I'm uh, not really sure. You know, we have a production assistant who fulfills the rider requirements in the green room. And for whatever reason, he requested Nicorette gum. We didn't have it. So this comedian says to me, 
I'm not going on. You're in breach of the agreement. And I'm like, really? You put me on? He goes, no, I'm not putting you on. You were in breach of the agreement. You did not fulfill my rider terms. I do not need to go on. I had to sweet talk him and kiss his ass and get him to take the stage. That must be be tough, especially with like the big name talents. This is kind of a side hustle for them. They're not making their living on it. Do you run into challenges like that where they're like, you know, okay, you don't want to use me. I, I, I don't care. I mean, you have to deal with a lot of that. And there is a lot of handholding. That's why they have you. I mean, I've seen you on site. I've seen you deal with it. You're the nicest person to the talent. You've always been nice to me. And I'm sure you're even nicer because, you know, <laughs> maybe not nicer, but nicer to some of these big name talents because you want to make them feel good. You want them to do a good job. I remember you told me about a story about, and I won't mention him, but you could mention who it was. You got a script beforehand. You read over the script and there was maybe a, maybe an F word thrown in. And then you spoke to him to request that maybe take it out. Tell me about that story. Right, I'm, always I'm, I'm, I'm going to name names here. Okay. Oh, I hope I'm not going to get myself or anybody in trouble, but this is a definite great story worth repeating. This was pre-pandemic before this gentleman got in trouble. Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey, at the time, he had a speechwriter on his staff. I deal with the speechwriter. You give him input. This was for another one of our big tech clients. I give all the input to the speechwriter. He crafts a speech that is absolutely brilliant. I get the script. It's really brilliant. However, it's got an F-bomb in there. So I know you cannot say the F-word on a corporate stage. I go back to the speechwriter and I tell him to talk to Kevin about it. So we're on site and I'm meeting him for the first time and we're having a very nice conversation. And I tell him how brilliant the speech is. And it's really, it's dead on. It's as close to the bullseye as possible. Clients are very happy with it. However, there's an F-bomb in the speech. I need you to take that out of the speech. And he pauses and he looks at me for a second. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, here it comes. I'm going to get the wrath of Kevin Spacey. So he pauses for a moment and he says, you want to take that F-bomb out of the script? Yeah, Kevin, it's really important. You know, you can't say it on a corporate stage. HR frowns on things like that. He says, okay, you can take it out of the script. I continue walking him to his room, say goodnight. I quickly tell everybody that's waiting for me to have this conversation. I tell my colleague, Chris Drury. I tell all of our clients. I tell the prompter operator, take it out, take it out. He's fine with it. So it's the next morning. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your special guest speaker, Mr. Kevin Spacey. He takes the stage. He's brilliant. And he's such a great actor, you don't even know that he's reading his script off the prompters on the floor. However, he says the F-bomb seven times. He drops seven F-bombs. Now, nice. my phone is blowing up from my colleagues, from our clients. How can you let him say this? How can he get away with this? Now, as you know, once you're on stage, once you have talent on stage, there's nothing you could do. You can't control what's going to come out of someone's mouth. Anyway, he does his 30-minute 
presentation, and it is brilliant. It's so smart. It's dead on. He gets a thunderous standing ovation. Thunderous standing ovation. I'm backstage as he's leaving the stage. I put my hand out and I say, Kevin, what a great presentation. And he says verbatim, I know I was effing awesome. <laughs> I love it. Can't make this stuff up. That is great. You know, another thing that I like about Drury is always being, as you mentioned, even with the talent, but always being cutting edge, always being innovative. And I, I think a lot of that comes from, from Chris, Chris Drury, one of the owners of the company, one of the big creative directors at the company. And he's always looking for, I know with technology, he was always ahead of the curve. And there's a phrase you folks use, the jury difference. Tell me a little bit about the jury difference and how does it make jury stand out by delivering not just only top-notch work, but also this ability to really build these long-lasting, strong relationships with your clients? Well, you know, Scott, you bring up a really good point. Chris really prides himself on keeping jury as creative and as cutting edge as possible. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in internal meetings where Chris is like, all right, I know the client asks for X, Y, and Z, but we're also going to give them A, B, C, and D, E, F, and G. And our producer or the account person will say to Chris, yeah, but that's going to cost X and we can't go back to the client and ask for more money. And Chris will say, I don't care. It's going to make the show better. It's going to make, you know, our, our, our catchphrase is that we make moments matter. Chris is like giving that extra X, Y, and Z to the client without charging them because he knows it's going to make the show that much better. It's going to create a moment that matters. That's what we're all about, making moments that matter and going the distance Anybody can book, as I said, a talent, but we pride ourselves on getting so much more out of the talent. We pride ourselves on delivering more than just a general session. We're not just going to bring in a stage with some lighting and some sound. It's got to be more than that. I mean, the reason we're in business for so long and have been successful for so long is that we give so much more to our clients. Okay. I mean, it's just important to us to show what the Drury difference is. We're doing more than just producing a general session. We're adding the bells and the whistles, if that's what the client wants, if that's what's needed to make the show great. You're in charge of, you know, the director of entertainment. So you bring in not only speakers, but big name bands a lot of times. How involved is Drury in taking a concert and customizing it or having it themed around the meeting? Do you get that opportunity to, whether it's with staging or dealing with the talent, to make it seem like it's personal for that audience? We always work with our talent and get them to personalize as much as possible. Now, we've done Elton John. You're not going to get Elton John to change the lyrics of one of his songs to customize for the client. But we certainly make a point of making sure whether it's Elton John or Maroon 5 or Aerosmith or the list goes on and on and on, that they know who they're performing for and the purpose of the event. So when Elton John is doing a corporate event, he knows who the audience is. We make sure he knows who the audience is. And he mentions that. He's not just going to say, 
thank you, San Francisco. It's great to be here. But that personalization is really important. And we make sure we get our talent to do that as well. I mean, lots of times we've had talent come out wearing, I think it was Glenn Fry and Joe Walsh a number of years ago. I think Glenn Fry came out on stage wearing the client's T-shirt that they had hmm. given out as giveaways, little things like that. Was there any talent that you had that really surprised you that you asked them to do something, you know, besides just a T-shirt being thrown on that you were like, wow, I wish every big name talent was like this. They were there for the company. They really wanted to add value to the event. Okay. I'll tell you another story, if you don't mind. This was pre-pandemic. We had Aerosmith booked for one of our technology clients. Me personally, I've never been a big Aerosmith fan. I'm a music guy, as I said, but I was just never a real big fan of theirs. And we book them and I get their rider, which is pages and pages and pages of requirements. And at the time, the five guys in Aerosmith, I don't think they liked each other very much at the time. So they asked for five separate dressing rooms with five sets of requirements. Steven Tyler wanted fresh blueberry muffins baked day of show exactly to the specifics of this recipe. So I got to hang out with Steven Tyler before he took the stage. Super nice guy, very humble, very down to earth. And he's asking me questions. Who is this audience? Why did they select Aerosmith? What do you think they want to get out of this night? And I answered his questions and I gave him as much intel as I could. And once he was on stage, he must have named the name of the company countless times. Thank you for having us. It's great to be here, XYZ Company. I know you guys are here celebrating the release of mobile cloud computing. I mean, he just personalized it and customized it. And here's one of the biggest rock stars in the world who took the time to ask me these questions. And then he threw it out there on stage to the attendees. Oh, you must look like a hero. Of course, totally. And of course, I became a super Aerosmith fan as a, <laughs> as a result of that. So what, what, what aspect of your work at Drury brings you the most joy and fulfillment? I mean, what fuels your passion for delivering outstanding entertainment experiences time and time again? You know what, Scott? After doing this for as many years as I'm doing this, I still get a thrill when the house lights go down, the stage lights go up, and somebody takes the stage. And that first note from a band or that first line from a speaker, or maybe it's a moderated Q&A with a Jason Sudeikis or a Will Smith or a Tom Cruise, whatever it is, I still get a thrill the moment that show takes off. So, you know, you've always had a passion as you started, you know, from just getting out of school. You always had a passion for the arts at some level. You figured, hey, if I'm an agent, I could at least be around it. You have an actual appreciation for the, the creativity that these artists bring. And I think they can feel it. I think you need that for the job that you're in, that you're not an order taker. You're not just pulling people and pointing at this person and going, hey, this would be a good thing, that there's some thought process in it. And you you enjoy it. You have a passion for what you're doing. And I think that's important. I think that is something that'll make a difference in the end result. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I still get a charge of doing what I do. Now, I don't necessarily like every band and every speaker that I book, but 
It's still providing the service and making moments that matter. That's what we do. Do you want to leave us with one last story? Some story, I would love to hear one where the client was really having a challenge finding either the right speaker or the right act to really connect with the audience. You racked your brain and you found some element, some ingredient of something that they were they were saying, and you're going, this is the perfect one, and we, we nailed it. Well, I'll tell you the Culture Club story. The client actually came to us, and it's a client we've worked with for several years, And they were doing an event in Arizona. And the client said to me, hey, what do you think about Culture Club? And I paused for a second. I'm like, really? Because I hadn't thought about Culture Club at all. Now, I know they toured this summer with Howard Jones and Berlin. It was a three-act tour. And I know the reviews were fairly positive. But I never worked with Culture Club. We never worked with Boy George. I didn't know much about them. And the client brought them to our attention as a suggestion. And sure enough, we wound up booking them and they were sensational. Boy, George was unbelievable. He was great in the meet and greet. Now here, I love this when you're doing a meet and greet, when the manager says, no selfies, no uh, signing of autographs. We want to get people in and out quickly. And George is like, he's signing things and he's talking to people and he's like, give me your phone. Let's take a selfie. So he just could not have been greater than he was in the meet and greet. And he's got a super tight rockin' band. They did a few covers. They did a 90 minute show. They ended with all the culture club hits. It was a total dance party. The president of the company was on stage with culture club dancing. And I mean, maybe my expectations were low. I haven't stopped talking them up since then. They were that great on stage and off. Mark. Always great to catch up with you. And thank you so much for doing this. It was great seeing you in New York recently. And I'm hoping, you know, we get to just see each other some more. I'm getting to New York more often these days. So I'll definitely stop by and say hello again. Nothing would give me greater pleasure than to hang with you on site. It's only a matter of time till I know we've got something to talk about. Because even though we are always looking for the next great corporate MC and meeting host, You are it, my friend, and you have been for a number of years. You have raised and set the bar very high, and nothing would give me and all of Drury greater pleasure than to be working with you again on site, hopefully in the very near future. I really appreciate you saying that, so thank you. I hope that happens as well. Mark, thanks again for being on No More Bad Events, and have a great rest of the year. Scott, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, and my pleasure for being here. Thanks so much for the invite. That's it for now. Thanks once again to eSpeakers, the number one way to find your next perfect speaker. With the deepest catalog of professionals available, you can be assured that the speaker you book will be the absolute best speaker based on your goals, bar none. I've been your host, Scott Bloom, corporate event MC and comedic keynote speaker. And of course, your connoisseur of connections. Oh, by the way, and if you're interested, you can book me for your next event on eSpeakers Marketplace at eSpeakers.com forward slash marketplace. 
And if you like what you heard, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If you loved what you heard, drop us a review. And don't forget to share with your friends. Thanks so much for listening. Now go out and make your event a great one.